Yeah. What did you just say? And what? And yeah. what? So Jamie, when we met, he literally didn't believe it. He oh, said, really? there is no way. He's like, there's no way. Catalyst, there's no way that happened, right? And so when he started <laughs> unpacking it with me, he goes, this is fascinating. He said, how does that? I said, Jamie, I can't explain it. I just was really getting out of the way. Mm -hmm. I learned to get out of the way, right? And pay attention to my intention. And I always had goals in mind when I was involved in all these things. And maybe for other people, they might think, oh, you just wanted to go in the military. Oh, no, actually, I joined the military so I could get away. And then when I got in the military, someone said, you know, you can finish your degree here. Oh, well, how do I do that? And then I figured out how to do that. And then I literally got the military to pay for my degree right. in what I wanted to study, not in something they told me to study. I did my degree in athletic training and speech communication. That, that has nothing to do with military intelligence and languages and nothing. And they paid for it. Sure. And then I found a way to get attached to armed forces sports so I could ply my trade and my craft and get better. And I planned on going to the Air Force Academy. That was my plan. I was going to right. get transferred to the Air Force Academy and finish out my 20. And then they didn't want to let me do it because of my clearance, my background and all that. They said, you can't do it. We're not letting you go. We spent too much money. I said, well, then I'm going to get out. You're going to throw away all this. I'm like, you paid for my degree. I have a skill. I'm out. And my last thing to the commander was look for me on TV. That was my that was my half a peace sign to him, dude. It's like, look for me on TV. And he probably thought, you arrogant little shit. And Thank he you saw you on TV. And he saw me on TV five years later with the Sixers. Right. That's wild. So, so let's go back a bit because there's, there's two things in here that are running parallel, mm. uh, which are, you know, you and your siblings, uh, your parents abandoned you because they were drug addicts. But you are also a single parent. So, so talk to us about, about that and t sort of fill in that gap for us because um, we can kind of understand, okay, you grew up where you grew up, your parents were addicts and you're brought up by your grandparents, but then you end up as a single parent. You know, even after all that background, your, your first child was born when you were very young. So can you walk us through a little bit about that? Yeah, both my children were born when I was young because in the military, everything's accelerated. Everything yes. happens much faster, right? So um, my first son, I was 20. My second son, I was 24, 25, getting ready to be. Shotgun wedding because my grandfather said, do the right thing. Sure. And so we're both kids when we get married. Mm -hmm. Ten years later, we realize we're not compatible. And... We go through this divorce and I basically say, I just want my boys. Mm -hmm. And in my head, I'm saying, I'm not going to be my dad. I'm not going to abandon them. Right. And so through attorneys and everything, I found a way to get primary custody of my sons. And what I was willing to give up was money. Mm-hmm. And so I would, I, I agreed to continue to pay what child support would be. And, and my attorney told me not to do it. And I said, I can always make more money. I can't get back that time. Mm -hmm. 
And so I continued to pay the child support as if they were with their mom. And I raised my boys as best I could. And my boys saw me deal. They saw me work on stuff. They saw me struggle. I was making extra money, Dove, lining soccer fields outside Philadelphia so we could have food. And I had a full-time job. But because I was paying child support, yes. I had to find a way. My sons still talk about it. I kept the ladder that I used to use to hang the soccer nets, right? I still have it in my garage. From that time when I was lining fields in 1990 to 91, that whole year, I lined fields. My attorney, he was the president of a soccer club. And he said, hey, you can make some extra money setting the fields up on the weekends. I said, sure. Mm -hmm. So that's what I did to make extra money. But what was most important was I'm not going to be my dad. I'm going to be present for my boys. And that's what I made it. I made this conscious decision and I didn't care what it was going to take. And so I, I was grinding for my sons and my boys saw that. They understood that. And I raised my boys for approximately 15 years. Wow. Wow. So how old are you boys now? What do they do? So 35 and 39. And then my bonus daughter, so who actually I've been around her since she was nine is 28. So my bonus daughter got my wife and I together. Tell us that's about almost, Oh, that's a story, dude. That's a story. Take our daughters to work event at Nike. She's in an audience of 400 little girls. And I'm, I'm one of the speakers. That right. evening, she goes home to her mom, who had just started working at Nike, and says, Mom, do you know this guy, Kevin Carroll? She goes, yeah, I know his name. She says, send him a note. She goes, why? To send him a note and tell him I'd like to meet him. She goes, why? She says, I think it's the guy you're going to be dating, but I'll let you know after I meet him. Nine years old. She's nine. Nine years old. Awesome. I meet this little girl, right? She shoes her mom out of my office and literally says, he'll walk me back to your desk, Mom. Closes the door, sits down, says, tell me all about yourself. What? Nine years old, dude. Nine years old. I've been around <laughs> her for I've been around her for 19 years now. She, by the age? way, yeah. I need you to tell her she rocks. Oh, <laughs> she's me. amazing. For I will me. tell her. She she's, rocks. she's brilliant. And the best part, and Jamie has met her too, yeah. is her name. This is the crazy part. This is when you know the universe, right? Whatever you your belief, your faith. Her name is Kavina. It's Kevin with A's. K-A-V-I-N-A. -A. Her father's name was Kevin, who abandoned her when she was one month old. She never met him. Holy crap. On our, wedding day, on, our, on our wedding day, we've been married now 16 years. She said to her mom, look, mom, I got the Kevin I was supposed to have all along. Gordon Bennett. What, tell me, what does this girl do now? So she's... Let now, me ask you, is, your, is this girl about this tall and green with funny ears? Is that, is that what you're really telling me this girl is? <laughs> exactly. It's Yoda 2.0. It's my exactly. Miss Lane. Right? It's she's like showing up again. Yeah, she's your oh, Miss Lane 2.0 in form. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Listen... She, so she's interviewing for some work with one of the sports industry companies here in town. And I've been helping coaching her through that whole process. Um, she, I got her her first job that she stayed at since college 
at UPS. She's a manager there, but then she decided she wanted to change. And she said, KC, can you help me with navigating that? I said, absolutely. So I, I basically reached out to my network and had her meet them. She came back and said, I like this place. How do I start this process? And so I've been helping her. And so she's a finalist for a position at one of these, and she's thrilled. But my wife said, isn't it interesting? That's just between you and her. She doesn't tell me about those conversations you two have. She's always been very specific about my relationship with her and very, very, it's very, very personal to her, my relationship but, with her. But, you know, that's really interesting because one of the things, one of the principles that we teach in relationship communication work, and this is like people don't even begin to grasp it. But this girl knows it intuitively is we talk about the damage of triangulated relationships and why no relationship should be triangulated and no communication should be triangulated beyond the initial introduction mm. and people go what do you mean don't talk to me about that relationship yes. so you know i used to like i used to get really upset with my mother do not talk to me about my sister do not talk to me about my brother you want to talk to me about about your how you feel about them, but don't complain about them. Don't drag me in and look for my yes. opinion. I am not interested in being a triangle in your relationships. And and we talk about that with CEOs and with C-suite people. Mm. We say, if you have a problem with somebody, I need you. And they go, well, I'll get my HR to talk about it. No, no. this is you. You do it. Grow a pair, walk out there and have the conversation because leaders are courageous and you've got to be courageous. Again, we're back to that. And mm -hmm. it's that direct communication that doesn't pull other people in and make it into a mess. And this young lady understands that so well that she in no way. So I'm not saying this would, I'm not suggesting or wishing or anything. I just, if for instance, her mom, her mom and you went your separate ways, she would still have a relationship with you that's got nothing oh. to do with a mom, and she'd have a relationship with a mom that's got nothing to do with you. Absolutely. Because she understands the value of relationships that's not a triangle. And yes. most people don't do that. And when people go, well, I think I understand that. And I go, really? Do you have any friends who are divorced? And they go, yeah. I said, who are you friends with? And they go, mm. well, I'm friends with her. Then you don't understand it. Yeah. And they go, yeah. what do you mean? Because if you actually were friends with both of them, then you would have a relationship with both of them. And you would say, I'm not going to talk to you about Susie and I'm going to talk to you about Bob. That's it. I, I'm happy to have a relationship with you. I'm not having a relationship with your complaints about the other person. And she gets that. I mean, again, hello. Oh, that's so crazy that you point that out. And my wife has pointed out to me the uniqueness of our friendship with mm -hmm. my bonus daughter. I've never called her my stepdaughter. I've okay. always called her my bonus daughter. And we've always had these unspoken rules mm -hmm. in the way that we communicate. So, and it started back in middle school where I would pick her up from school. I would always turn the radio down and basically tell me about your day. Mm -hmm. And we would drive home and there would be nothing in between us. If I was on a call, I would excuse myself and say, is it okay if I continue my call? It won't take much longer. And she could have the ability to say yes or no to me. Right. Because if she had something important, I wanted to be present to hear her. To this day, if she comes into our house and she's coming from work and she wants to talk, I mute the TV. Right. 
And so she's come to understand that about us, that KC gives me his attention. He's very present. And I think, as my wife said, you should see her at work or you should see her with other people. When you're not around, she's behaving and from modeling what you did. Of course. And so there's something really powerful about that. So my sons actually tease me. They say, she got dad 2.0. She got the 2.0 version. She got the better version. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well. Right? But it's real, right? I mean, that's real. That's real. I said, I did the best I could with you guys. I said, and I've evolved. I said, isn't that what? And they said, dad, no, we're not hating on it. It's just amazing to see that you've always been updating and getting better. Yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 it's fascinating, you know, and it's actually a complete circle from where we started because, you know, in that first question about curiosity and you talked about mm. connection and going into Starbucks or wherever it might be and, you know, you know, how are you doing? What's going on? What's your story? You know, is that same thing as I could be distracted and I could check my phone. I could be distracted and, you know, I mean, I see people all the time. I do it myself and I catch myself where I'm having a conversation with somebody and then all of a sudden. Yeah. You wander. uh, My eyes are wandering and I'm, you know, looking for better people, looking for more interesting conversation. Mm. And they're like, stop. I'm here. This is where I'm supposed to be. Mm. And it's like, we're always supposed to be somewhere else. And you, you modeled for her that very thing, which, which gives people significance which gives people belonging, which gives people connection, which makes people not do the crazy shit that a lot of us are doing in order to fit in. Mm-hmm. Right. Or, or to create some semblance of believing we fit in. Right. Yeah. So right. yeah the myth, probably the myth, right. Yes. The myth, right. The yes. myth. Absolutely. Right? You create a myth. And I think there's something really amazing when you do see someone who's been paying attention to you actively practice it without you prompting them. Yeah, There's something really magical about that, right? To see that. And so I just think that so much of what I've started to understand is be where your feet are, right? And pay attention to your intention. Yeah, that's beautiful. Now you mentioned something, you said something magical happened. So let's talk about magic because I know you have mm. a particular, uh, We'll just we'll just go that. Let, yes. Let's just talk about how you feel about magic. Your belief in magic. Tell us about that. I'm a I'm a firm believer in waking up every day with a level of humility and wonder. And Miss Lane taught me that mm-hmm. that that is the way to start the day, and you can grade yourself on that, right? So having a level of humility, you're not more than anyone else. You're not better than anyone else. And then wonder, that's the curiosity. We go back to what we started our conversation with, right? And so if I can go through the day with that level of wonder that so many amazing children have and to be able to discover things and identify things that most people would walk by and not even give a second look at, I know that serves me well. And that's what's allowed me to connect with um, the young and the young at heart. Mm-hmm. I know that. I know that's what I'll, I'm. So I'm the old man best friend in our neighborhood. So the kids in our neighborhood around the square block know me in our neighborhood right. here in Portland. And I'm friends with um, a three-year-old, a five-year-old, a seven-year-old, 
a 13 year old, a 16 year old, and they come by or they yell to me from their porch or from their doorway when they see me walking by, their car will pull over and the kids will roll the window down. Kevin, Kevin, go back down the corner. There's an amazing spider web. <laughs> oh, fantastic. And I'll go back, I'll turn around and I'll go back. Right. And what that creates is them having an ability to get someone to see what they see also which emboldens them even more to be that way. And so this is something that I've realized is there's magic in that, Dove. There's magic in that. And magic to me is about uncorking the possibilities, right? To believe in the thing that is not easily explained. But don't to you- revel in that, to revel in that. Don't, don't you uh, have a magic box. Oh, I have a, a bottle of magic. Actually, I have a right. bottle, of magic, bottle of magic. Yes. And I actually gift magic to people. So I will gift a bottle of magic to them, especially the non-believers. I love getting <laughs> it to them. So I've, I've actually brought it out on stage, right? With, you know, business people, leaders, whatever. And literally I get the, well, isn't that interesting? The little man's got a bottle of magic. Right? <laughs> and then I shame them, right? I always go, isn't that interesting? If I were meeting you and it was your first grade you, you would lose your damn mind right now. What? You have magic? And then you would scream, pour it on me, pour it on me. I said, I so why is that not alive and well in you right now? Because the one thing we're going to win with, and I always say, is curiosity and wonder. That's how we're going to win. And now these adults go, oh, and I said, you, your children do what they see. So if you're not believing in it, guess what you're doing? You are slowly taking that away from them because they want to model you because they want your approval. They want Absolutely. you to tell them, right? So now I get these squirming, right? They're squirming in their seats. Like, I can't believe heads go down, right? right. And I, so I'm going to redo this, right? And so I step back. I said, I got a bottle of magic. What? And everybody goes crazy. <laughs> I, I said, I'm going to pour some on you. Pour it on me, Kevin, pour it. And you see these adults. And I tell them, that's alive and well inside you. Yeah. You just have to let that go. You have to have the courage to share that. That's going to allow you to see that new innovation to problem solve, to deliver the unexpected. I said, that's that curiosity. That's that wonder. That's magic. So I love gifting a bottle of magic from time to time. Yeah. And I love bringing it out. And I love reminding them that your first grade, second grade, third grade self would lose their damn mind seeing this bottle. Like that man's got my magic in his hand, pour it on me. Yeah. I, I, I just love that because you know, we're back to this thing about, you know, I, 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 my analogy is we are diamonds um, and life is the wheel. And it, we must push the rock against the wheel to polish the diamond, but the mm -hmm. diamond does not have a single facet. It is multifaceted, but we live in a world where we like to tell the world we're single faceted. I'm good. I'm bad. I'm logical. I'm rational. I'm, I'm very emotional. No, you're not. You're all of that. And, and so that moment there, what you just described to me is so beautiful because it says you're a child. You're a wondrous, curious child. No, I'm not. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and part of it to me in the work that I do is I'll say, you know, there is a little kid inside of you yes. who is so lonely and so sad. And all that kid needs in order to find joy, in order to, to be the greatest gift of your life is for you to see them. And as long as you say, I'm not going to see them because mm -hmm. they're wounded, because they're sad, I'm not going to look at that. You will never have the joy. You will never have the wonder. You'll never have the curiosity. You'll never have all the amazing gifts that that kid has because mm -hmm. it's all hidden behind the wall of sadness. Yes. When you look at that wall of sadness and you go, okay, let me have compassion. Because I say to people all the time, if, you know, they'll describe something to me and I'll say, well, let me just ask you something. How would you feel if you were a stranger and you walked in and you saw somebody treating a child mm -hmm. the way you were treated? I'd lose my shit. Oh, okay. What would happen if you walked in and you saw somebody treating your kid the way you were treated? I'd lose my shit. Yet, when you look at you in your history, you have no compassion. You go, well, my mom and dad did the best they could. I get that, but what about the kid you were? Where's the compassion for that kid? Because until you looked there, until I had to look there, until I had compassion for that part of me, I was, I, I just repressed my sensitivities. Mm -hmm. I repressed my compassion. I was doing, you know, and I could be superficially compassionate and caring for others, but it didn't have that depth until I looked at me and went, my goodness, I feel for this little boy who was so terrified as a kid. And now I get why, mm. because he was such a weirdo. He was so strange and didn't fit in in a ghetto environment. And he was seeing spiritual things and he was mm. thinking creatively and looking at through the veil at reality. He must have just felt like, oh, my God, you poor little bugger. Now it's like, okay. And he's like, oh, you, and, you know, by the way, this is my line. I see you. Yes, I, I, I do that same thing. I see you. And, and, it's the, and I do that with people all the time, and it blows their mind, and, it's, and I'm not looking at them. And people go, what do you look at? I felt like you're looking at my soul. And I go, well, I kind of am. And they go, well, what are you looking at? I go, there's a little kid in you. I'm looking at that kid that nobody looked at, that nobody looked at. Everybody mm. was like, no, I'm busy. You know, mm. kids are meant to be seen and not heard. Go away. Or they were so overprotected that you never got to see the kid's curiosity and the craziness and all. And it's like that moment is what we all desperately crave. Mm -hmm. And I think, as I said before, we meet people who do see us. And it's an amazing moment. Did you feel like that with Phil from Nike? Do you feel like he saw you? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And so, you know, our... I always talked about how unusual our friendship was, right? And is, I mean, I don't call him on the regular or whatever, but when I was there, we truly had a friendship and mm -hmm. it, it, it really was sparked by something I decided to do that wasn't prompted. No one asked me to do it. I wanted to celebrate the passing of Bill Bowerman in the way that I thought was fitting from the people, not the company. And so I rallied a bunch of creative sympathizers and we took over the campus. We actually guerrilla marketed our own campus, put up our own signs, um, Burma shave signs with Im images of Bill Bowerman one way, his quotes the other way, put them all over the campus, 
And then I got food services at Nike to give out free waffles to everyone before they went into the gym to listen to the celebration. Mm -hmm. So Phil heard about this effort and wanted to find out who was behind it. And he kind of did his, re his intel and found out I was part of the team and asked to meet me. And his first thing he said, why did you do it? And I said, if it wasn't for you and Bill Bowerman, someone like me, I didn't use the word freak, weirdo, but someone who loves sports the way I did could actually find a place where you're celebrated for that love and that mm -hmm. passion. And I said, so I wanted him to know and his family to know I really appreciated him opening up a place for us. And he said, I might be CEO and chairman here, but you're the mayor here. He said, he said, I'm going to meet with you regularly. I said, you are? He says, yeah, we're going to have a monthly meeting. And he called out to his assistant, Lisa. Lisa, we're having a standing meeting monthly. Make sure that's on the books. How long do you want to meet me for? I said, 15 minutes is fine. He says, okay, 15 minutes. And we met for the next couple years, every month, 15 minutes. And he would ask me, so how's it going out there? Tell me what's going on, Mayor. And I would tell him the state of the union, if you will, the state of Nike campus and I was a bridge builder. I was a connector and he saw me, he saw me. And I really appreciated that he saw me and that he didn't judge me. He didn't label me. He didn't embarrass me. He saw what I was doing. He saw that it wasn't about me getting some shine. It was about me showing how much I appreciated. I wasn't running around, beat my chest. I did this. It was none of that. He saw that. And so I just think that I've always appreciated. He was one of the people I sat down with when I decided to leave Nike. Like I sat down, I'm sitting down with the CEO and chairman. Yeah. Once again, let's go back to who I am. That yeah. little boy. Yeah. Never goes away. Right. Never goes away. The six year old me is always on stage with me. Always. Yeah. yeah. So here I am having this conversation, explaining to him this opportunity I have but I'm really conflicted because I love it here. Mm -hmm. I love it here. And I said, I, I don't know what to do really. And he said, well, I don't let talent leave here. I said, okay. He says, you'll be the third person I tell they should go. He said, we would be selfish to keep you. You have bigger work to do. He said, now you have to promise me over the next two years, we're going to meet at least once a year and you're going to give me updates on what's going on. But we're just going to be proud of the work you're doing out there. And that was the way we left it. So I got that approval from him to go forth. And I left in 2004 after that conversation. And I've been on my own for 15 years now. Wow. Still, a still a friend of the program. My friends are at all the other, you know, entities and sports, but still... That place, I always say, let me fly my freak flag. That was my come up. They saw me. I was allowed to be that weirdo, that freak, that different, that unique. They saw me before I knew I had that in me there. Right. And, you know, and I, I sorry, I feel emotional because the reason I say I see you when I when I really can see somebody or they let me see them is because I think it's such a freaking amazing gift to be seen 
I think we all deeply crave that. And when somebody who we hold in esteem sees us, our value changes dramatically. Oh, come value. on, dude. Come on, dude. It's just, you want to talk about feeling emboldened and empowered to fight the good fight. Like, I'm, let's go, right? And I know it's not going to be easy. And I know it'll be fraught with challenges and adversity. But with that blessing of someone that I admire and respect, come on, let's go. It's on. Yeah. Yeah. That's so amazing. every time I go back, you know, to the campus there, and I still have lots of friends there, but people always know the ones, especially, you know, my history there, mm -hmm. always go back to some of these moments and they go, Kevin, you know, you were carving out something. There couldn't be another you here. Like you carved out something very unique. And Dub, I have to tell you, when I go back on campus, I always go back to see the first person I met the, my first day, and she's a receptionist. And her name is Kelly, with an I, right? Mm -hmm. And Kelly was the first person I met when I got on campus, when I was getting ready to go through my orientation. And she was just so wonderful to me. And she could see I had eyes like saucers, right? And was a whole new endeavor for me. And she was just this lovely person. And I made it an effort every time, every day to go by her desk and just say, hi, I've been gone 15 years. Anytime I go on campus, I go to where I think she's going to be. If she's not there, I ask the receptionist to call her. And then I find what building she's in. If she's not at work that day, I write a post-it and a note to her and leave it. When I was just there doing some work a couple weeks ago, and I happened to be in the building where she worked, and I came in for the walkthrough, and she said, oh, Kevin, I heard you were going to be in here. <laughs> she said, that's my buddy. And people were like, you know him? That's my buddy. So I've known Kelly since 1997. Amazing. And, she, and she's this person who I saw her. Yes. But that, but and she recognized the, that the way that I showed up that day, where I could have been very transactional, sure. right? But, the, but that's the point for me. That is the point is I believe that everybody who I actually see, that's the magic wand. Yeah. It gives them permission to see somebody else. Else. Yeah. Right? As opposed to... Nailed well, it. We just go about business. Nope, right? you nailed it. When I, right. I was working with a client this week, because one of the things I do is that's very unusual about our work is um, people fly in to work with us, and then they spend 24 hours straight with me. Mm. No napping. 24 hours straight. We go deep, and we go deep, and then we go deeper. Mm. And we pull out all the shit, and we polish that diamond, and we plant some fantastic seeds. And at the end, everybody feels incredibly seen. And everybody, within a week, will write to me and say, I can't believe how I see people. Hmm. It's in being seen yeah. that we get to see. Yeah. 
It's in being seen that we get to see. But the problem is, and this is the, where, the, where the, the rub is, we're so starving to be seen that we don't see anybody else. Yeah. And so you've got to kind of go, okay, I don't feel seen. I did not feel seen for most of my life. And then I decided to just see people. Mm -hmm. I just decided people are not what they put out. I have known that since I was a little child. So why don't I just talk to what I see? Just talk to what I really see. And I would just sit with somebody and I go, you know what? You're a real ass. I mean, I remember having this conversation saying to this guy, you know, you're a real ass. You know, well, Kiwi like says. Mm -hmm. I go, no, no, no. That's not who you are. I just see that that's who you're behaving as. But I know that's not who you are. And he goes, what do you mean? And he like, you want to start a fight with me? And I just said, I'm not here to fight you. I'm here to tell you that that's not who you are. That guy is still my friend. <laughs> that guy is still my friend. And I, I talked about him recently and I said that I walked down the street with him and somebody said to me, how could you possibly be friends with that guy? Somebody else I knew. He's such an ass. He's such a dick. And I said, I don't know who you're talking about. Mm. And they go, what do you mean? I said, I will not judge somebody by your experience of them. Yeah. Right. You know, like you with your, your Tri stuff, triangulating. Just, yeah. No triangulation. Not, yeah. Right. No. And, and because I was willing to see mm -hmm. somebody mm -hmm. and that's when I realized, how, and this is what was really interesting. That's when I realized that when somebody saw me, how uncomfortable I would get. Yes. And then I realized, oh my God, that's what's happening to everybody else. Yes. It isn't just us freaks and weirdos. Mm -hmm. It's everybody is so everybody so wants to be seen, but when they are, it's so incredibly excruciatingly yes. painful yes. that they don't know how to deal with it. So I've got to be able to see people, but I've got to allow them to be seen without being usually which being seen means to be shamed. Yes, exactly. And I realized that I'd been shaming people. Yes, yes. And I had to stop that. And that was one of my big disciplines. Uh, that was modeled for me very yes. well. Shame everybody. My, my grandfather was, you know, I used to, I, one of my books I wrote about how my grandfather had a double black belt in verbal violence, mm. right? You know, he would just shame everybody. Uh, my stepfather was like that. Uh, my mother was like that. Everybody around me, they were masterful at shaming. And so I became very good at shaming people. Yes. And I went, I can't do that. Because if I see them and I shame what I see, I yeah. push what I see further into the further back. Yeah. So I went, okay, I, I got to stop doing that. And that, that was when I started to get more comfortable with being seen. Yes. So it's a, it's a, it's a fascinating journey. And I love that. That Phil saw you, but that you saw Kelly. And, and you know, and that, that has become the model. Yes. We've been Absolutely. going for a long time, mate, and this is a fabulous conversation. And we, I this is why I love this show. It's why I put this show mm. together, because I, I don't have to go down the, what's the title of your book, and let's talk about that. But, like, yeah. who the hell are you, and what makes you curious about life? And you've just been awesome. So I want to go and give you a chance to tell people how they can find out more about you, about what the services you offer, about your books, about all those kinds of things. Would you please tell our audience how they can find out more about Kevin 
The catalyst, yeah. Carol. Yeah, the catalyst, Carol. Yeah. So listen, it's easy. Just go on. Google me now. <laughs> so so uh, it's easy if you just go on social uh, on my uh, Instagram or Twitter. It's just KC Catalyst with a K. So K-C-K-A-T-A-L-Y-S-T. So it's just at. That's an easy way to find me. And then it's just KevinCarrollCatalyst.com is how you find me. So two R's and two L's. Make sure you spell that correctly. Don't cheat me on my R's. Don't cheat me on my L's. Still, yeah. Yes. Car so, uh, Carol double R double L. L, yes. But otherwise than that, uh, listen, I'm going to continue to be this instigator of inspiration and to be someone that is a lifelong learner. And I'm going to do my human homework every single day. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to show up and be where my feet are and do my level best. And I'm going to grade myself at the end of the day. Were you present or were you not? And that's basically how you do it. It's that simple. Yeah, I, I, I love that. Listen, I have absolutely loved, loved, loved this conversation. I, I always like Likewise. to finish by asking people if you could give one piece of advice if you could give like go do this mm. like you know and uh, what would it be that you'd want our viewers our listeners to go do to really get what it is that we've been talking about because we've talked about a lot of very cool stuff sure sure i i think you know the overarching is look up go look up look up at the big screen called life that's gonna feed your curiosity and your wonder. So have more time looking up and looking at the big screen than looking down at a little screen and thinking all the answers are on that screen because actually some of the most amazing um, discoveries and adventures await you if you would just look up and look at the big screen called life. Fully agree. Done and done, bro, I appreciate you. I appreciate you too. I hope you'll stay with us to the end. And I just want to say to you, dear viewer, dear listener, it is an honor and a pleasure to serve you. And as always, I encourage you to stay curious, my friends, stay curious. Life is a constant state of curiosity. If you keep it that way, there's a curious little child inside of you. And when you're willing to see that part of you, life will be transformed. I'm Dov Barron. I'm out.